0: I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Oh, c'est bon, c'est bon. How are you? I'm, I'm quite well. How are you? Okay. I feel like we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I just am reminded, well, I, I two things. I'm reminded you lost your keys last week. But didn't. But didn't. Mm-hmm. So we went on a little like scavenger hunt in Hollywood mm-hmm. for your keys. Mm-hmm. Only? Which, I don't think you've ever lost your keys. Right. Or misplaced them. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> And they ultimately, were... the keys were... Because we had gone to several places. We had gone to eat. We had gone to... Best Buy. I think Best Buy. Uh, we had gone to, like, a... Like, oh, And drove... Trader Joe's. We had yep. gone to, like, four different places. hmm And ultimately, your keys were on the side of my seat. But that was mm-hmm. interesting to watch. Yeah,
1: that's a word for it. Interesting (laughs) to watch. Well, because you don't, you rarely misplace things. Oh, oh, you were, uh, you thought it was interesting to see me uh, a fallen idol.
0: Oh. Also, I forgot to tell you this just because there hasn't been time, but I went to get my, (laughs) I went to wash my car this morning. Mm -hmm. And while I was at the car wash, this man approached me and it was this white man. And he's like, oh, could I ask you a question? And already I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. And he goes, oh, my daughter's mom is out of town, and I don't know what to do with her hair. And I'm like, why would he think I would know what to do with her hair? I don't know this person. And then I look, and it's this little biracial girl in the car with a big, beautiful head of curly hair. So I thought that was funny because... I don't have hair at the moment, right? My head is shaved. I could understand when I do have longer hair and it's curly that he might have thought, oh, we have the same type of hair. Sure. But it's like, I have a buzzed head, and I've never met this person, so... Well, you know what that sounds like to me? What? Sounds about white. Sounds about white. (laughs) And then part of me wanted to get funky, like, why would you assume I would know what to do with her hair? But then my spirit wouldn't let me, because that baby's hair did look fucked up. (laughs) And... I am a hairstylist So I can't pretend like I don't know what to do So I talked to him for like Two minutes You should have been it. indignant Do I look homosexual? <laughs> but that was interesting um, Oh shoot We were supposed to go over our Apple Music top 10 Okay well I have mine And I don't have mine Okay well you So know. I need to go get it Can you talk for like 30 seconds while I go get it? 30 seconds please excuse me one moment
1: oh okay uh well to talk about uh films that were released this week that we didn't cover uh one of them is called king car which i really wanted to get to but we're still unpacking so i didn't but it's a science fiction film uh about uh, a young boy that apparently can talk to cars uh directed by renata pinheiro uh, which played at some film festival i want to say fantastic fest where i had a screener and still didn't watch it Uh, Anyhow, that opened this week, Uh, but I do want to recommend uh, Asghar Farhadi's A Hero, which I believed opened wider, uh, which I saw at Cannes and I did really like. It's got a great lead performance by Amir Jadidi as Rahim. Uh, If you're familiar with any of Farhadi's past works, uh, not that he hasn't, well, everybody knows that Penelope Cruz is terrible, but uh, I wouldn't say this is a return to form, but I feel like I was about as excited about this as his 2011 international breakthrough a separation uh so if yeah and he's won two oscars for best well now international film so it's definitely worth a look so that opened joseph has not seen it um although
0: i feel like he would enjoy it and the other did you talk about a hero that's what i just got done talking about oh nice so and we got through films we didn't cover yes okay. All right, so we thought it might be fun to go through our Apple Music replay, like top 10 songs of 2021. Which, you know, we really should have done last time, but I think we were both delirious. Yeah, I'm still kind of out of sorts trying to get settled with this new house, but um, let's see. Do you want to just start? Sure. What's your number with number 10? My number 10 is Levitating by Dua Lipa. Okay. (laughs) Featuring DaBaby. I, you know, I discovered Dua Lipa because there is a fitness person named Joe Wicks who we've purchased his cookbook. You purchased his cookbook. I don't know why, because you don't cook. And he has workout videos that I used to do, and he would feature songs uh, back then that I had no idea who Dua Lipa was, but I recognized the music. So when I realized that a couple of the songs he would play were hers, I looked up her music and this was a song that I really liked. So obviously I played that a lot. What's your number 10?
1: My number 10. Okay, I'm only really embarrassed about one of these songs on my top 10, uh, but I'm going to be real. Uh, Number 10 is (laughs) Save Your Tears, the remix by The Weeknd and Ariana Grande. And I don't really like either of those artists on their own, but I really like this song. Okay.
0: So I listen to it a lot. My number nine is a song by someone named DJ Mitch Farino. It's Arrogant. It's the song that features vocals from Tamisha Iman, the drag queen from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race season 13. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that was number 22 on my list. So I, I, I do like that one. What's your number
1: nine? My number nine is Flesh Without Blood by Grimes. Okay.
0: Number eight has been a song that I have played a lot since... I heard it like what, four years ago? Uh, cool for the Summer by Demi Lovato. Oh, boy. Yeah, I
1: know. You do, you do like that song. I've,
0: I really like that song. What's your number eight?
1: My number eight is Lighthouse by Future Islands, which was featured in the film Titan. Uh, and I found a few other uh, tracks by Future Islands that I highly recommend.
0: My number seven is Rated R by Ralph Tresvant. People okay. who, if you don't know who Ralph Tresvant is, he replaced. <clears throat> Bobby Brown, uh, in New Edition. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and he had a big song called Sensitivity, and on that same album is rated R. And I re- and I was reminded of it because it was featured in a movie, and I think it's like House Party. Okay, I rewatched House Party, and I think it's in that film. Uh, so yeah, I, I I really like that song. It sounds very very early nineties. What is your number seven? Number
1: seven. Okay, this is the one I'm kind of embarrassed about, but. I, there's a story there's a reason for it it's uh, If You Seek Amy by Britney Spears uh, because when that track came out I didn't listen to it and even though I was highly aware of it and what it's, what she's saying uh, but there was a lip sync to RuPaul's on RuPaul's Drag Race last season okay and it reminded me like for whatever reason that generated me oh that's right Rosé and who else uh, anyway something someone Rosé lost that's what I remember but uh, I think it, it is catchy and I was running to it a lot but I think I was giggling while running uh, because of the lyrics because uh, there's a background track in there uh, where somebody's there's one scene where Britney says uh, can you tell me if you've seen her and whoever the background singer says can you tell me what can you tell me what she's wearing and what she was like <laughs> I don't know why that cracks me up and I love it yeah I I because it's so stupid
0: <laughs> why is that a lyric in this song it's so dumb it's so awkward my number six is uh beyonce's crazy in love from the homecoming live album i mean that's a, I, I like that song since it came out so sure yeah it's such a great live version go ahead
1: my number six is x's and o's by l king which was also on that season of drag
0: race Oh, that makes me think. I re- started, or I started re listening to. Um, M.I.A. has a song called X X X O, but I really like.
1: Oh, and Peaches has something, a uh, song called, uh,
0: thinking. I'm only triple A, but I'm thinking triple X. Anyway, my number five is Victory by Puff Daddy, and I love this song because the, it features the Notorious V.I.G., and Busta Rhymes is on the chorus, but. The first though the first chorus I guess is Puff Daddy and then the next two are B I G. But he has a line that says, I perform like Mike, anyone, Tyson, Jordan, Jackson, Action, Pat Guns, Ridiculous. That's I just love Biggie's verse on that song. Uh I could listen to it on repeat, which clearly I have. Yes. Your number five?
1: My number five is Don't Leave Me This Way by the Communards. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so good. Well, you know, I like Thelma Houston's, but I was unaware. Again, this was RuPaul's Drag Race uh, UK. I think it was Tia Coffee had a really good lip sync to that song. Mm. Uh, because I listened to the Teddy Pendergrass version a lot as well and Thelma, but uh, I hadn't heard the song, this version, and I liked the Communards before uh, that lip
0: sync, and that was. Mm. Yeah. Listen to repeatedly. My number four is Take Your Shirt Off by T. pain And. I couldn't, if you paid me, I couldn't name a T-Pain song, and I don't know how I discovered this song, but I know that I was in Phoenix a few years ago. I think my sister was there, too. We were visiting our mom, mm-hmm. and it just randomly came up on my like iTunes whatever, and the song is ridiculous, but I really enjoy it. Your number four? My number four is Kill vs. Mame by Grimes. Oh, Grimes makes two appearances.
1: Those are both the, that's a really good album. Um, we were watching the music video for that, because I think it's from 2015, where she's in the subway oh, station right. or whatever.
0: Yes. All right. My number three is Ape Shit by The Carters. Which it surprises me that you like that so much. Which is Beyonce and Jay-Z. So when did I get my new car? i don't know like three months ago you go through them kind of quick i get cars very often but my new car has a very nice sound system and this song in particular like it just sounds so good so i think that's why i've been playing it a lot okay. so i probably accumulated all these plays like within the last three months <laughs> your number three
1: my number three is Ote definition by vitalik which um, is from their new album that's
0: on my playlist i like it yeah my number two is Madonna's I Don't Search, I Find, which is from the Madam X album. Right? Oh, yeah, that's excellent. It's that's... the only song I like from that album. Uh, <laughs> well, God Control is okay. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I Don't
1: Search, I Find is kind of like... That's in my top five Madonna songs of all time.
0: It's actually. almost like a, uh, like a sequel to Vogue. Sure. Yeah. It's a great song. What's your number two? My number two would probably be my
1: number one if I had discovered it earlier in 2021, but it's Savage, the, ma- the um, major laser remix by Megan Thee Stallion. Oh, yeah, you
0: do like that song. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yes. Um, that's totally my vibe, that song right there. My number one song is Hung Up by Madonna. That song came out in 2004. Yeah, it was my uh, 21st birthday when that came out. I mean, from the moment I heard that song. 2005. 2005. Yeah. I love the video. I love the song. I love ABBA and it features, ABBA rarely licenses their music as samples. So ABBA. ABBA. I say ABBA. I'm not going to lie. I say ABBA.
1: Um, okay. That was your number two? That was your number one? That was my number one. Uh, my number one is I'm a
0: Winner Baby by RuPaul. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, because I am. Well, all right. All right. So, should we start with Drag Race? Do you want to take care of your child? What do, what do you want to do? The sure, you can start with Drag Race. I'll start with Drag Race. So, Drag Race Season 14 premiered. Uh, it, was a, it, it will be a dual premiere, meaning that uh, Episode 1 introduced seven queens. Episode 2 will introduce the what I assume is the next set of queens. But um, let me pull up my little list, because you know I don't remember who these people are. The first seven queens were introduced to are... Oh boy, I don't even know. Here we go. Alyssa Hunter, Bosco, June Jambalaya, Carrie Colby, Cornbread the Snack Jete, Orion Story, and Willow Pill. So the only one I recognized is Cornbread because... She often performs at a gay bar in L.A. called Precinct. Uh, I don't think I've, I've ever seen her perform, but um, I noticed her image on a lot of their digital flyers. Uh, their mini challenge was a photo shoot where they strap these men in dress. Well, I shouldn't say that because one of the ladies is uh, a trans woman. But they strap these queens onto a wheel and spin them while they're being photographed. And then the main challenge was they had to do a talent show which is the first time we've seen the Queens do a talent show on episode one that isn't all stars. So that was interesting. Um, so I'm, Oh, Nick has returned. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about the seven Queens and what they did for their talent. It and just, you can tell me what you think. It
1: just occurred to me that yes, cornbread I am familiar with because she's regular at precinct.
0: Yeah. So Alyssa Hunter, the Puerto Rican, mm-hmm uh who that seems to be uh all all, her entire personality revolves around her thinking she's pretty in puerto rican Mm -hmm. uh she lip synced to like a heavy metal song which was disappointing because a rock song that was not heavy metal. or rock song sorry it was disappointing because a she had said i'm going to play the guitar which she didn't she just kind of like pretended to play the guitar um And then it was very much not her style because she is a pageant queen Mm -hmm. and then she comes out looking like, it reminded me of like season three of Drag Race when they all had to do like that rock song. Like, she was dressed kind of like Jessica Wilde. (laughs) Yes. I wasn't impressed. Bosco did burlesque, which was cute. Burlesque is hard because, uh, I mean, like it's... It's fun to watch someone look so great and be sexy prancing around on stage, but I think it gets old pretty quickly. June Jambalaya did an an interpretive African dance. She is a very talented dancer. Her outfit was a little raggedy because she had, like, you could see her control top hose underneath her dress when she would, like, do turns, and then her headband kept falling in her face. So it was a little raggedy. Carrie Colby, she did a lip sync to Nicki Minaj's Minaj's Anaconda while she did jump roping, mm-hmm. which was cute, uh, if not a little basic, because she didn't start the jump roping. You know, they only have like what, 45 seconds to do their talent. And she didn't start doing jump roping until like the halfway point. Well, because it's hard to jump rope and remain sexy and lip sync. <laughs> oh, cornbread lip sync to an original song of hers oh yeah we need to return to that with the judging yeah but i thought that was great her song was cute she was really fun to watch mm-hmm. orion's story did like a comedy skid where she came out looking like how would you describe her
1: like something trinity the tuck has done before like when she did that uh when she played when she did the spin me right round uh
0: lip sync with the old man suit on oh sure yeah uh that was interesting and then willow pill did like a i don't even know how to describe it well
1: on the on the um announcement before they
0: came out it said something about during quarantine it was like self-care and quarantine it's basically like her taking a bath and throwing like everything food alcohol a toaster like she's going to kill herself. (laughs) It was very... All set to Enya. Yeah, I enjoyed it because it was weird. It was weird, and she's
1: got a very interesting, kooky energy. Uh, Yeah, I highly enjoyed that. And also, anytime everybody seems perplexed and weirded out, is usually enjoyable. So, uh,
0: you want to talk about the judging.
1: Oh, yeah, so that's the first time. I don't know why Michelle Visage took it upon herself to... uh, uh, criticize Cornbread's I guess diction for lack of a better word because I didn't have any trouble
0: understanding well the guest judge was Lizzo the guest judge was Lizzo and Cornbread was dressed like Lizzo on her main stage yeah
1: so right away Lizzo uh kind of clapped back and then RuPaul says well I understand black folks so (laughs) So. I understood what she was saying
0: yeah I didn't have an issue with Cornbread's lyrics also like diction it's lip-syncing so the version we're hearing is the best version. You know, I, I, it's like the ideal version. I thought it was perfectly fine.
1: Because what, where that argument was valid was with Mayhem Miller's. Yeah, that
0: was... Th- that was unintelligible. Right. Uh, but, I, but she was also performing it live. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so of the seven, who uh, is your favorite? Uh, Cornbread. But I like Willow Pill a lot, too. Uh, Cornbread by far is my favorite. But yes, I, I, I like Willow Pill. I don't know that she will win but well you know how they edit everything um, sure maybe they're trying to make her an underdog
1: well well, immediately they try to make her an underdog but I was hoping oh I hope it's not like James Mansfield or sure. um, Aiden Zane
0: oh god I forgot about Aiden Zane where you
1: know where, where the other queens kind of pick on them because they're the the runt of the
0: litter kind of cornbread is what I wanted silky nutmeg ganache to be well smarter well smarter uh, not trying so hard a fantastic dancer Mm -hmm. like i i I think cornbread is what silky thinks she is yeah but she's just so sloppy and her dancing is not you know silky can do like she has like five or six steps in her repertoire she can do like eureka too right like but she really can't get down cornbread can get down Mm -hmm. so and and then just her personality she just seems effervescent and she. (sighs) Not that Silky doesn't have a personality. I do like her, and she was a highlight of All-Star 6, but... For sure. But yeah, Cornbread's amazing.
1: um, I do like the energy of this season so far, especially compared to last season when there were so many queens that I didn't like. Sure. Well, uh, you only met half, so... That's true, but they pulled pulled that weird stunt where they pitted them against each other so hard. Right away. And then there was that thing with Elliot with two Ts who I felt really bad for. (sighs) Yeah. Who did you like the least? I didn't dislike anybody. I think Orion's story, it was probably fine that he... Uh, oh, so Orion's story was eliminated. Yeah, I, I think that I would have I liked to see more. I think that he has that kind of weirdness that's difficult to translate. I agree. I would have
0: preferred Alyssa Hunter Go Home. Oh, yeah. I don't like these... First of all, like, you know... On Drag Race, if one, you know, out of drag, if they're moderately attractive, everyone like loses their minds. Yeah. And what makes it even worse for him is that he's, he thinks he's the most attractive. Well, he is very attractive,
1: but yeah. The, uh, it, I mean, the I way don't think he's like. His attitude is not attractive and certainly talking trash about everybody else when it's like, well, you're kind of basic uh, is unappealing. But so I would have been fine with him going home. Same.
0: Moving on. Uh, oh. <sighs> to this morning, I watched all of Coming Out Colton.
1: Oh, God. The Netflix
0: series featuring Colton Underwood, who's the NFL player who recently came out as a homosexual. Uh, I only put it on because I was editing our worst of 2021 video, so I wanted some background noise, and it caught my attention. Uh, I don't want to use all of our time on this, so I'll say, first off, if you're moderately interested in this series, I would say skip to episode six, where there's some truth. There is no need to watch episodes one through five; just skip to six. Uh, but what were your thoughts? I my thoughts were, I was
1: only watched a, a minor portion because I actually left the house and I was very like it was it was getting me in all kinds of the wrong mood. But my thoughts are, in a nutshell, the world will bend over backwards if you're attractive and
0: white. In... <laughs> so he got a lot of backlash initially because when he came out, and in, in that same interview with Robin Roberts on Good Morning America, he announced, not only am I gay, but I have filmed a reality show that will air soon. And it took a long time for it to air, and I think it's part, partly because of all the backlash. They probably wanted you know the heat to settle. But then it, uh, but but then it became, as popular culture became aware of his issues, like his ex, the one he was engaged to, because he was a contestant on The Bachelor, and then he was the Bachelor. He was a contestant on The Bachelorette, and then became the Bachelor. And the lady he chose, who he was engaged to, they had a volatile relationship where he was apparently aggressive enough with her, or whatever, that she had to file a restraining order. And I and I'm not super familiar, but. From what I recall, he put, like, a tracking device on her car and was sending her crazy text messages. So when he did this interview, of course, it was all about, like, you deceived her, you're trash, you're just trying to monetize your sexuality, like, it's all in poor taste. And after watching it, I do think it's odd that, like, they sort of orchestrated this thing, yeah, which culminates with him doing this interview it feels odd i don't believe a minute of what anybody says in it well so watching him a few things hit me the the biggest one is that that man needed all the sort of work he's trying to do on the show like sort of figuring out who he is he needed to do that before he let people film him Um, and in in private and in (laughs) private the other thing that really bothered me and it's adjacent to what you said is like okay he's an attractive cis white man who has money because he was in the NFL and we see his house and his car so he's not struggling and he was able to pass a straight for 29 years Mm -hmm. so he has all of that privilege Mm -hmm. okay straight privilege then he does this reality show and episode one is like Oh, God, I have to tell. He tells his mom first, then his best friend, then his brother. And then the, 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 the big coming out is going to be to his father, mm-hmm. who's like a man's man. So episode one, he tells the three. Mm-hmm. And then episode two, he tells his dad. And those people couldn't have been more supportive. <laughs> so then it's like, OK, so you're an attractive cis white male with resources and the people you care for the most are accepting you. So what's the issue, girl? So then it becomes like episodes 2 through 5 are about like him trying to figure out what kind of gay he is which was nauseating yeah. because it's a bunch of white gays fawning who, over him who are just like fawning over him and then Gus Kenworthy is like his gay mentor who Gus Kenworthy doesn't bother me like so much but all it's really doing is showing that like oh my version of gay and the gay and the and the version of gay that I'm going to show you is being a slut, and like, well, and, and like trying to look your best or something.
1: You informed me because I didn't see this mentioned was was previous to Colton coming out. Gus had hit on him.
0: Well, so, in the show, yes, Colton says like, "Oh, I had met Gus previously, and it was very obvious he was hitting on me." So, which means, which is
1: feels inappropriate it feels that you, creepy that, and creepy that he'd you be your gay mentor so the only way that this situation would work is if the dead spirit of larry kramer was guiding uh colton through the body of oda Mae brown and then maybe well, so <laughs> maybe you could i do.
0: think what does work is and I, oh, and i want to be clear like being being sex positive is is not a problem and i support that and um being concerned about your aesthetic and your nutrition and your fitness are not problems. But it's like the stereotypes of like the gay white male in a big city are what Gus Kenworthy's presenting to him. They go to a sex shop, they go to a party where it's a bunch of gay white guys and there's one sort of like brown gentleman of like ambiguous ethnic background in, like just in a corner somewhere. And then they go visit these two white gay guys who have a beautiful home and clearly have money who've paid for a child. And it was just all the things that I find problematic about the representation of gay men that we see in, like, popular media. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's what bothered me. I, I Like, I, I, I wish his gay mentor could have been a person of color. And I wish they could have shown him, like, a different side. And, and they just literally inserted him, like, that little game Toddler's Play, like, putting the different shapes into the... They literally just put his little square ass into the square. Well, and, and I,
1: I really didn't like all of the dialogue about where he fits into the community. The LGBTQIA plus community is a community of... Don't
0: forget Two-Spirit.
1: And, but, <laughs> but it's a community of people that don't fit in or right. haven't fit in. So this need to find your tribe and to fit in, like, fuck that. Like, you
0: are automatically part of the community. That's it. Right. So then so much time spending, like, well, and then I hate when people ask, like, "Well, who are you? What? What's your type? What? You know, that's that, not the that, most important thing about me. It's it, like, who am I as a person? Like, what's important to me? None of these questions are being asked of Colton. It's just like, what kind of guys do you like, and like, what kind of sex do you want to have? And, and I don't want to seem overly bitter and cynical. And I'm sure that
1: someone seeing this somewhere, it might be helpful to them. If I had seen this as an impressionable teenager, it would have, it would have just furthered my throes of despair uh, and mostly because of his obsessiveness with his religion and wanting to Oh be, uh, gosh. which uh, I made me my skin crawl you can't be a part of a system that is designed to destroy you so watching him go on and on about how he wants to be in this legion of gay Christian men it's like you might as well be a Jewish well, I Nazi. Fully,
0: I don't fully agree with what you're saying because I don't think that Christianity is designed to destroy gay people. I think that this idea that homosexuality is in the bio, you know, that's been debated. I'm not trying to do that right now. All I'm saying is that I don't, he can have his faith. What's confusing to me is that if you're, if he talks so much about his faith, but then he's asking other people, like, is it okay that I'm gay? And it's like, if you have a relationship with God, then you should talk to God, girl. And if you feel love in your heart and you know that God made you in the image of blah, 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 then you should feel good about that. And if you don't, then maybe you need to do some extra work. But him calling his pastor, which face crack, he calls his pastor on the phone and the pastor's like, good that you feel that God loves you, but that's not true. Like what being gay is a sin. He likens it to like being like an alcoholic or a murderer or something. And he's like, you know, the other thing, too, is he brings on other, like, straight white guys who, like, because he goes back to Colorado to sort of live out his, like, time before he comes out. And so it's all these, like, clones of, like, these really attractive white guys who are all super Christian and all have the same lifestyle and the same appearance. And there are, like, four of them. And he's talking to them. And they all say the same thing, like, you know, we love you. We we, we may not agree with your lifestyle and blah, 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 but we still love you. And it's like, well, that doesn't go together. Like, you 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 can't believe that who I am as a person is wrong and that I'm going to burn in hell what? and then smile on my face and tell me you love me and nothing's changed. Like, if you hate me for being gay, then I'd rather know that. Sure. And, and, and we can be of resigned course. to that. But it's just so weird that he's looking for something that they're not going to give you, girl. And if Jesus Christ, God, whatever you believe in... Like if you have that in your heart, why are you asking other people what God thinks about you? Talk to His. He, ass about he
1: it. sounds like the woman from the room. I'm gonna do what I want to do. What do you think I should do? Yeah. Um. And also, it's uh, I liken watching his experience to coming out as um, if one of the Stepford wives was granted autonomy.
0: He just yeah. I I would not. Oh, positives are he does bring on some NFL like retired NFL players. Um. One, one gentleman who's like in his 70s, I think. One gentleman who played in the 90s, a Hawaiian gentleman. And then Sam, uh, the black guy. I forget his last Sam, name. Sam, the black guy. Well, we all know who he is. The one who was, he was part of the same draft as Colton. Okay. And so there are moments with them talking. And I thought that had a lot of meaning. Um, Again,
1: there are things that. And you then can episode take. six,
0: okay. he meets a trans woman who's also a priest. That's the best part of That's the best part cuz that lady got his ass together and ba- you know and ag- again this is why I don't shit on religion completely because it's like well people can believe what they want if it guides them and they're accepting and loving then that's great if it, and I think that this trans female priest exemplified that and she told him like I don't like I don't know what you're doing but you need to f- figure your shit out first basically mm-hmm. <laughs> but b- b- before you step out here trying to find your next love or whatever I thought that was really good. Well, yeah,
1: because you told him you, you've not ever been authentically yourself in a relationship. So why, what makes you think you should be in right. a relationship right now?
0: And it was really nice seeing his dad, who's like the epitome of like butch manly man with the, you know, the camo and working on his pickup truck, basically be like, yeah, you're gay. It's cool. I support you. I think that for some people out there, certainly not someone like me, but for some people out there that would really resonate with them so it does have some value i just feel sorry for this man like he he needs to go to therapy in private mm-hmm. and make friends in private and figure out his body and his needs in private because all these thirsty ass people out here trying to get at him and i just feel like we're gonna read about him in like a year he's either gonna fade away or he's gonna get do something do trouble. something insane yeah Okay, we need to move on. Some movies you watched for fun. I, I haven't seen any of these. And you there are a see, lot of them. You did see some of them. Okay, first off is something called Midwives. You were in the room when I watched that Oh, that's what Sissy Spacek, where she plays the midwife who gets like... Goes on... Cr- like criminal... Tri- like she goes on trial for... Because she... Um, did a cesarean did, on a woman.
1: And sh- the woman was still alive.
0: Yeah, and because <laughs> uh, only uh, physicians can right cut people
1: who are alive. And her daughter hides her diary notes, which would have proved that otherwise, played by Allison Pill. Uh, It was made for TV. I remember this when it came out in the year 2001, uh, but back then I couldn't get a copy of it. Okay, this shit did catch my attention. Yeah, it's entertaining. It's very much a similar scenario. It's entertaining. (laughs) It's very much... It was entertaining. A similar scenario to The Midwife played by Molly parker in uh pieces of a woman from last year um but you know it's based on a novel I, I like sissy Spacek. terry caney plays her husband who has very bad hair uh peter coyote is her lawyer who, her daughter that acting
0: and that writing is
1: well it's made for television and it's very heavy on the omniscient narration by the daughter played by allison pill who you kept saying that could sh- you can't tell me that's not elliot page you kept saying but that lady uh, looked like elliot page but it's not uh, but anyway, it's it's entertaining. It's not good, but it's entertaining. Okay, next is How to Beat the High Cost of Living. So this was, Please tell me. Uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> I need to know. This was a film also that I've uh, owned forever. I went through a Jessica Lange phase. It's kind of before. It's in that nether region be- between King Kong and The Postman Always Rings Twice before careerly really took off. But uh, she did this movie directed by Robert Shearer in 1980. Uh, and it's about three women, best friends, played by uh, Jessica Lange, Jane Curtin, and Susan St. James. Uh, and each of them are defined by their, uh, personal relationships. And they decide to rob this money ball in, um, the a money ball in the mall, uh, cause they're each having financial issues. And it was designed as a vehicle, uh, kind of for Jane Curtin to come out. The, it was her film debut. And she is, she does have the best role in it. Uh, but it's not, it's very dated it feels like it was trying to be nine to fivey and dabney coleman even shows up um what's his name who won the oscar for uh uh, roman holiday eddie albert plays susan st james's uh father and fred willard is her boyfriend and richard benjamin is jessica lang's uh cheating husband oh and sybil danning is the woman he cheats on her with Uh, so if you like any of those people from this time period it does feel very 1980 i think jane and jessica and susan all look great it struck me that i haven't seen this movie but for whatever reason i bet this would make a great double feature with mad money that 2008 movie with queen latifah diane keaton and katie holmes Mm. next i could never be your woman uh, another film I'd never seen, directed by Amy Heckerling, starring uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Paul Rudd, uh, who she, Michelle Pfeiffer is a producer on this television show um, where Fred Willard is actually her boss uh, and yeah, she just has this romance with Paul Rudd. It's funny. It's from 2007. It's funny how uh, much it feels like it's from that era. And what it it you have characters in there saying, like, it's inappropriate to say someone's gay. But then you have John Lovett saying, like, oh, you look like a bull dyke. And they laugh about it. Mm. Uh, Sarsha Ronan plays Michelle Pfeiffer's teenage daughter, which I thought they had some nice chemistry. I liked how Michelle and Paul played together. It's a very brightly lit film. Oh, and you know who else I think is funny is. Uh, Stacey Dash. And I know she's a problem, uh, but she's actually kind of cute and funny as this, the dumb star of this show that Jessica Lange, is, or Jessica Lang, Michelle Pfeiffer's producing. Next is something called Kadachi. 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 Kadaicha You were in the room when I watched that too. It's part of that, all the Haunts BRs box that I have. Okay. Uh, an Australian film uh, <laughs> about uh, this developer who's... Uh, built all these houses on an aboriginal burial ground and uh all of these teenagers in the area <laughs> are being haunted by this man who gives them this rock and then they show up dead the next day uh, mm. and it's the daughter of the developer's her job to kind of find that out by talking to this aboriginal man it's very basic uh in that sense but you could have a pretty good drinking game every time they say aboriginal burial ground uh but as a piece of
0: folk horror which is the point of that set it was entertaining Next is, I'm laughing because the name of the next one, Serving in Silence, the Marguerite Kammermeyer story. But every time I see Kammermeyer, I'm thinking like Kokomo, Kinkersore. Oh my God. Like, so like, it's, it, this is also
1: a television film from 1995. It's called Serving in Silence, the Margareta Kammermeyer story starring Glenn Close and Judy Davis. Uh, it's based on the true story of this woman who uh, was in the army uh, and she transferred to be closer to her her Four sons, and she's divorced, uh, who live in Seattle, and she becomes part of the National Guard and a chief nurse. One of her sons is played by Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Which, it's funny to see him so young. But it's it's a notable thing, because in 1989, she, uh, as part of security clearance, admitted that she was a lesbian, and they tried to uh, force her uh, to resign, and they were going to give her an honorable discharge, and she fought that. And this is before uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. It was illegal to be uh, gay and ser- openly gay and serve. You know, um, I had an oddly emotional response watching this because it reminded me of being a kid in the '90s uh, and just all of these things that we so conveniently don't talk about anymore since uh, "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" has been repealed and you know, uh, gay marriage has been legalized since 2013, uh, and just kind of how awful it was; th- these people's lives were ruined. You next know. um oh, but no. uh glenn close gives a fantastic performance by okay. the way like she is really good uptown
0: saturday night
1: well uh we haven't talked about the obituary section yet okay but uh, Sidney poitier died this week uh so i was catching up on a couple Sidney poitier films so i'll talk about both of those that i saw i, I people forget that he uh directed nine movies Uh, so I watched the second and third directorial films that I've never seen and the first one was Uptown Saturday Night which also stars Harry Belafonte and Bill Cosby and I thought Bill Cosby was kind of charming and cute in it Uh, I mean because he was uh, back then and And what's noises off uh, I'm not done talking about Uptown Saturday Night Uh, well time's not forever okay well you keep interrupting me so well you need to speed it up (laughs) go ahead I feel like I'm talking at a pretty rapid pace no, considering it's not all your the information pace. I'm regurgitating uh, without even looking at notes. But uh, Sidney Poitier, who's married to Rosalind Cashin who I also really like and he uh, goes out in secret one night with Bill Cosby to this kind of secret casino called uh, Zenobia's and is robbed by Calvin Lockhart and in later he... Uh, Sydney finds out that in his wallet, he has a winning lottery ticket for $50,000. So they have to track down who, uh, robbed Zenobia's. And it, it reminded me a little bit of that film with Bow Wow and Loretta Devine, uh, lottery ticket. Uh, but that's worth a watch. And then I, um, I have this Sydney Poitier box set that I purchased years ago just for a copy of A Warm December and I'd never watched it. So I finally did. It's a second film. Uh, it's very much a black, uh, Roman holiday mixed with love story uh, as Esther Anderson, I believe is the lead's name is this African princess that he falls in love with and she's suffering from sickle cell. So she's dying, which also made me think of the movie sweet November, which starred Sandy Dennis and it was remade with Charlize and Keanu in the like
0: 2007
1: done. Yes. So Sydney died this week and that was,
0: Noises Off.
1: Peter Bogdanovich also died this week. Uh, so I watched uh, Noises Off, a 1992 film he did. Great cast. I was surprised at how much I really liked this film, uh, and I would definitely watch this again. And if you're a fan of something like Bullets Over Broadway, this is a lot of fun about this director played by Michael Caine and this cast with that included John Ritter and Carol Burnett and Christopher Reeve uh, trying to get this play off the ground and all these like awful things happening backstage, uh, a lot of fun and very impressive. Projects
0: of interest: something about Almodovar.
1: Oh, Almodovar! Um, a clean. He previously announced he was going to be adapting a novel, uh, "Cleaning God" for a God for, what's the name of the film? Um, I have to look that up. But he he recently announced he's going to make an English language film around the time he did the Human Voice with. Uh, Tilda Swinton, which was a short film that came out at the New York Film Festival last year. Uh, but he finally announced who will be starring in it. A manual for cleaning women. Kate uh, Blanchett is attached. So that is automatically of considerable interest.
0: Okay, the obituary section. So you already mentioned Sidney Poitier. Yeah, first black man to win an Oscar. Uh, and you mentioned Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, yes, uh, he,
1: they've worked together. They worked together. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich directed Sidney Poitier in Two Sir With Love 2 uh, for television in 1996, which I haven't seen. But oddly, when you were on your last cruise, I watched Two Sir With Love for the first time uh, because Lulu was a judge on Drag Race, and she famously uh, sang that theme song. And, and then...
0: Marilyn Bergman?
1: Marilyn Bergman was an Oscar-winning lyricist. She won three Oscars, uh, was nominated for a bunch more, but including uh, for Yentl, The Way We Were,
0: and the original Thomas Crown Affair with Steve McQueen. And lastly, we just saw that Bob Saget passed away.
1: Yeah. Which is shocking. I I guess I I haven't even really had time to think about that. Um, But we we both automatically, I think, went to realizing
0: You know, because we were kids when that Full House was on. But realizing he was a full-ass adult comic. Well, I think my... I mean, the 90s were filled with Full House and America's Funniest Home Videos. And he was a very wholesome uh, participant in both. And then when I realized that he's a raunchy comedian, it kind of blew my mind. Uh, uh, So... And and I really enjoyed his comedy. Uh, So, yeah. And I saw that he tweeted late, late last night, so technically this morning, how much he enjoyed performing at a comedy club in Jacksonville, but he was found unresponsive in a Ritz-Carlton in Florida somewhere. I suppose it'd be near Jacksonville. But, yeah, that's, you know. Um, how much time do we have? Well, I don't know because I messed up the timer,
1: so. Oh, because I, I was just thinking I did a top five of bogdanovich and sydney poitier
0: well we already moved on but oh, okay all right so well go
1: ahead you seem forlorn now no it's fine let's talk about the film that you chose for us to discuss this week
0: okay i chose the last picture show which was directed by peter bogdanovich uh someone had commented uh, that we should review this film so i thought it seemed appropriate with the passing of the director
1: Yes, who is, you know, you are familiar. Well, you haven't seen Paper Moon, which is fucking phenomenal. But you have seen What's Up Doc, which is basically a remake of Bringing Up Baby, uh,
0: which I didn't, I didn't really like. But you were, we watched that when we lived in Echo Park. I don't recall. So this film is set in 1951. It was oh, made in 1971. Uh, you're familiar with Mask with Cher. Oh, he did that? Mm-hmm. That movie scared me so much as a kid. <laughs> I should rewatch it, actually. Okay, so you know who he is. All right, so 1951. It revolves around this, like, little-ass town in Texas somewhere. North Texas. hmm And there... It basically revolves around these three high school students. hmm One played by Jeff Bridges. hmm One played by Tim Bottoms. Timothy Bottoms, yep. And one played by Sybil Shepard. Mm-hmm. And it's just their lives in this little small ass town. Uh Tim Bottom's character. Sonny. We see him like kind of do some girl dirty. Like he breaks up with her. And then he starts having an affair with like the coach's wife. Sybil Shepherd's character is like the most beautiful one girl in the in I mean, she's stunning. Yeah. So she but for some reason doesn't want to leave her small town. And her mom, played by Ellen Burstyn, who is like, it's funny because her mom is like more fun than she is. She's like, you need to go out there and let's get you on birth control so you can have sex and don't date that boy. Like, you need to find someone like, like a rich man. And, mm-hmm. But for some reason, she wants to stay in the small town and it seems like she really wants attention. Yeah. And her big plot point is that she wants to not be a virgin so she can have sex with the man that she's very really attracted to. And the, and there's a man who she's very attracted to, but he won't have sex with her because she is a virgin. So she ends up having sex with Jeff Bridges' character after uh, two attempts, because the first time he suffers from erectile dysfunction. Uh, and then Jeff Bridges' character is... Um, I really... His main storyline is just... Dwayne. He really doesn't have much going on until the end when he gets upset because Tim's character hooked up with Sybil. After he left, yeah. And then he ends up, like, badly injuring Tim, mm-hmm. like, in the eye. So now Tim can't go into the military. So the end is we see Jeff Bridges' character go off to the military, you know, like, to where Korea somewhere. Yes. But that's basically it. Yeah,
1: it's, the, it's just, it's the... Uh, Larry McMurtry is kind of based, who wrote the book it's based on. Uh, Larry McMurtry, of course, wrote many westerns and novels, including Lonesome Dove, uh, including Brokeback Mountain. Uh, he, so, it, yeah, so I think there's a lot of
0: autobiographical elements in there. I didn't know what to expect. My overall thought is this is a really. So I did enjoy this film. I think it's. To me, it feels like it's a good representation of the isolation people can feel like within their environment. And in this film, it's this small town, but really anywhere where you just feel like you want to be heard. You want to be seen. You want to experience things. Uh, and we can get into it. Cause like Cloris Leachman's character I mean, ha- who is an adult is having an affair with, uh, Tim Bottoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, but when I say I don't know what I was... Like, I didn't know anything about this film. I assumed it would just be sort of like a serious drama. But sort of right away, we see Tim Bottoms, uh, like, making out in a car with...
1: After going to... Because the film opens and closes on a shot of this marquee, the last picture show in this small town. And they're at The Father of the Bride, starring Spencer Tracy and Liz Taylor. Well, I was going to say, we see breasts right away. And I was like,
0: oh, this is like an adult movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Randy Quaid plays like a student mm-hmm. who is also having like a dalliance with Sybil Shepherd's character. In fact, he's sort of the vehicle that introduces Sybil to skinny dipping. Mm-hmm. There's like this group of teenagers uh, who have access to an indoor pool and they go skinny dipping. So, but I thought Randy Quaid, <laughs> when I first saw him, I thought he was a teacher. <laughs> Oh no. Because <laughs> he looked a little elderly. And this is a, I mean, he did the, Randy Quaid, it's disappointing what he
1: became, but uh, The Last Detail was a pretty good film around this time he did too.
0: The skinny dipping scene, uh, we see all these uh, teenagers nude, and I guess like for new members to this club, they're told that they have to get on the diving board and get undressed in front of everyone. So Sybil has to do that. And she has on so many undergarments. I know, it takes so long. She has on a slip, a like... Garters. Garters, pantyhose. Like. So that was an awkward scene. Uh, okay, so two people from this film won Oscars.
1: Uh, Cloris Leachman. Cloris Leachman and... And Ben Johnson, who plays so ben, Sam the
0: Lion. Ben, ben Johnson's character owns, like... All the things in town, like all the fun things, like the bar, the movie theater, the pool hall, the pool hall, a restaurant, I think. So, and he has a son. Yes. Who is special needs? Well, he, he's mute. He's mute, but you know the way they refer to him is like he's lame or something. So, the all the teenage boys, like this group of boys, they decide that because this little special needs boy is a virgin. There's sex is such a big component of the story, but it makes sense to me because it's like when, well, as it is with every human experience. Well, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't say that. What I would say is that I like, hmm, like coming from like a bigger city and then moving to like the Midwest and then seeing how people behave, like, you know, the six months when it's really cold and mm-hmm. there's nothing much to do and how people resort to like drinking drugs and sex hmm. But like when you're busy and have shit to do, it's not really the thing that's constantly perhaps. But I think in this film, it makes sense that everyone's so fixated on sex because they have nothing else to do.
1: Well, and I know it's set in the 50s in uh, Texas, but a lot of this reminded me I grew up in a small town in northern Minnesota. And a lot of these behaviors that reminded me
0: of a lot of things. But let me get back to this point, because I think this was the big message I got from this movie. So. The these teenage boys decide to take the special boy to a prostitute so he can lose his virginity and he uh, prematurely ejaculates on this prostitute and she gets upset and punches him in the nose. Mm -hmm. So they go take him back to his dad, Ben Johnson, and he's upset. Like, why would y'all do this? Well, we just wanted to hook him up, like you know, no, no, no. Means, no harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. He's like, y'all don't have the decency to even clean his face up. So you know what? You are banned from all my shit. You can't come to the pool hall, the, the movies, all the fun things are done. Mm-hmm. So that was a really powerful scene for me, mm-hmm. and we can get into why or his Oscar, but I, it was a very powerful scene because it made me think like one stupid mistake can really change the course of a person's life. Mm -hmm. Like if you're some teenager living in some shit small town and you get in trouble and you can't be a part of the main thing that you do, you would really be like shit out of luck. You would really just be stuck sitting in the garage twiddling your thumbs. (laughs) So I thought that was a very powerful scene. But Ben Johnson, he won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Yes. I don't see I I, I, know. I don't think that that performance was like so much better than anyone else's oh
1: I think he does a,
0: a very fine job in this film you know who my marker is for a, a out of this world performance is uh in a supporting role Martin Landau and in Ed, Ed Wood yeah of Ed course Wood. of course but like that took that sent me Sure, but this was like, he, yeah, Ben but you, Johnson but did a also, fine job, but so I, did everyone else.
1: I don't know if you were really, rightly paying attention during his monologue, which I think is just so excellent and finely delivered and very poignant uh, when he he's kind of forgiven Timothy Bottoms and he brings he he brings them out to this private place that he brought a love interest who we come to find was the married Ellen, Ellen Burstyn, Burstyn. Um, and talking about life and marriage and. You know, I have seen this film before with a college roommate. Uh, yeah. You know, damn near 20 years ago now. And this film does hit a lot harder now, having lived a bit of life. And I think that Ben Johnson does a really great job. And I also think the Academy was honoring this character actor that had been in many, you know, odors, if you will, as a character uh, actor. Um, Peck and Pa used him to great effect in um, something like The Wild Bunch and in The Getaway, which I watched recently uh so i think they were honoring him much like they did to jack glance in city slickers but as much i as think I, ben johnson's performance is better than jack i Clance. i agree so i i can see that argument but I, th- I think he was really good in this
0: uh so cloris leachman's character is the wife of like the, the coach. school coach and she's having a fair, an affair with tim bottom's character and she also won an academy award and i think that performance was powerful because that lady looks she's doing such a good job of at one moment looking fragile and at one moment looking like hungry, like a wolf Mm -hmm. and then another moment trying to be coy and then seductive. And I I think she did a lot with her role and it's just so interesting to see Cloris Leachman young.
1: It is, but even young, they're painting her as elderly, which is interesting. Like matronly. Matronly. Um, cause you know, the first thing I ever, I think the, maybe her debut was kiss me deadly as the woman screaming in the opening credits. Uh, even in the Amy Heckerling movie I just watched this week there's a joke uh, Michelle Pfeiffer says something about like oh don't make me Cloris Leachman but Cloris Leachman was young and fetching at one point and I think she is very Uh, I think she's striking in this I wouldn't call her striking I I find her kind of heartbreaking in that to use a melodramatic word like I think that's more
0: accurate. I think she has like a pained look on her face. Well, I don't, I mean, she's a, a nice looking
1: lady, but she's not, you know, compared to all the ladies in the there There's so many great I women. I mean, when in this. you put her next to Sybil Shepherd and Ellen Burstyn, oh, Ellen Burstyn looks fantastic. Again, another woman that they always made the mother and is still the mother. You know, she played. Sigourney Weaver's mother in Political Animals in 2012 and here she is <laughs> she's, she's always
0: the mom but anyway I was gonna mention that the first time Chloris has sex with Tim she's crying yeah that scene was <laughs> I feel so that was
1: a lot I feel so bad for her in every scene and there's such a great catharsis when she she
0: l- lashes out at, yeah. in, the, in the final scene when Ben Johnson's character dies it's when well we don't have time to go through this whole story but when he dies uh, the boys uh, are gone. They've gone to Mexico to party it up, and they come back super hungover. And when they return, they find out that he's dead. Mm-hmm. And that character, Ben Johnson's character, hadn't been dead but a day, and already they have read the will. Yeah, everyone everybody knows, knows what everybody got. Er- yeah. er- everyone knows what everyone's getting. I thought that was funny. Um, <laughs> a really good scene. Civil Shepherd is
1: she's a monster in she's this. A monster oh my in this god! Movie. When the, the scene where she decides to take. because she finds out about the affair timothy bottoms is having with cloris leachman and she's like you can see her in her mind she's like well i deserve to have that because i'm the hottest and the moment where she drives up after they catch the pedophile or whatever and they have that close-up on her face it's like oh this woman's become a full-blown siren uh
0: when she is there's a scene where because she's trying to lose her virginity to jeff bridges so she can go have sex with the man she really wants she is so mean to him because the first time they try, he's having a hard time maintaining Mm -hmm. an erection. (laughs) And then even after they successfully have sex, she is just so mean to him.
1: Which, oh, you know, another interesting... A a scene that I remember vibrantly is the sex scene with Clue Gulliger, who I think... Who has been in many, many movies, but you might remember him as that portly man in the taxi in uh, Tangerine. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he... I remember very clearly the image of her panties coming off over her schoolgirl sho- shoes on the pool table. Mm. Uh, yeah, that, I don't know. Just the, be- the small, uh, the minutiae of behaviors that's going on here, Bogdanovich gets very well. And some of the best moments are when there isn't even any
0: dialogue. My final note is, thank goodness there were no black people in this town. I thought that too, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, the, the this would have been unwatchable uh, to
1: me. Yes, I I agree. Uh, because they wouldn't have known what to do with them. And, uh, however, I do really appreciate and like all of the wonderful women, uh, perform female performances in this. Um, also shout out to Eileen Brennan, who looks very young as the waitress, who is very friendly. Mm. Um, yeah, just all of the great character work. It's th- this really is you know this came out in 1971 during the you know the wave of new American cinema. Uh, and a, a new kind of storytelling when we're talking, this film couldn't have been made in the 50s, so it's finally kind of examining the reality of what life's like. It's in black and white. Oh, it's be- I love the... F- I think it looks really cool. The opening and final, the last movie, it, with such sadness that they go to the last movie that's playing there, which I think is Red River with Monty Clift and uh, John Wayne, which is... Was- which is itself is a film that was signaling a change in how masculinity was represented in Hollywood at the time, even though that movie is 1948. Um, what would you give this movie? I think, it's, I think it's a perfect movie. I do. And I think Paper Moon, which he did in 1973, Bogdanovich, I think that's also a perfect movie.
0: Uh, I would give it four and a half
1: out of five. I can't find any. There's really nothing wrong that I think with this
0: movie. I'd have to really think about it. But I mean, four out of half, I mean, four and a half out of five is pretty damn good for me. So. I, yes, it is. Um, but I'm glad. I'm gl- are you glad you watched it? You know. Oh, boy. I watch a lot of movies, so I value my free time. Well, they don't really make them like this anymore. No, they don't. Uh, what else do you have for us?
1: Oh, uh, I guess we're, were we going to close with a Sydney quote. Well, what's going on this week? Uh, Scream.
0: You're going to see Scream. Yeah, I don't believe there are any... Um... No guests allowed, so I'm just going to sit my black ass at home. Thanks, Omicron.
1: Thanks, Omicron. Uh,
0: and, uh, yeah, and I'm going on a cruise next week, which, uh, you know, we'll see if that happens. Uh, so you have a quote from Sidney Poitier. Uh,
1: yeah. Go ahead. You don't have to become something you're not
0: to be better than you were. Oh, those are nice words. hmm Is that all? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye.